0: Thank you for listening to I Am Student Ministries podcast. We are a student ministry with a mandate to raise up a generation of leaders and to influence young people to love passionately, grow deeper, and to encounter truth. And now, here is Pastor Alan Hawes. Amen. Well, so tonight starts off, and I want to just read a little, quick little story to you. There was a, a, a theologian, Scottish theologian, he was teaching at the Edinburgh University and says that he made a practice to open his course on the doctrine of God with these words. He said, we must remember that in discussing God, that we cannot talk about him without his hearing every word that we say. We may be able to talk about others behind their backs, but God is everywhere. Yes, even in the classroom. Therefore, in all of our discussions, we must be aware of his infinite presence and talk about him as if it were before his face. I love that. The thing about God is is that we heard this morning from our pastor that he's omnipresent. In other words, he's everywhere. And that's one great uniqueness about our God versus any other deity that's ever been or ever will be, quote-unquote. They can't be everywhere. Even the devil can't be everywhere. Amen? That's why we just don't talk about things sometimes. We don't want him to hear us in case he sent a little devil to try to snoop on us. Amen? But we know that even the Holy Ghost, as we pray in that beautiful, lovely Holy Ghost, the, the, the language of tongues, that we have an ability to speak directly to God. And, and so tonight, as I break some things, I want to talk about this first segment, and that is that God is love. Four things about God is that God is love, Scripture says. We're going to read that in 1 John. We also find out that God is light. We also find out that God is a spirit, Jesus said, and we also find out that God is a consuming fire. So over the next four weeks, except for next week now, because next week we have evangelist Tim Hall, which if you've never had a chance, young person, to hear Tim Hall, I'm telling you, the dude's hilarious. But the guy is absolutely a powerhouse. So make sure that you don't miss next Sunday night. We'll be here. It's going to be a great night. But tonight, as we get into this first part of God is love, I want you to take your Bibles and go to 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. And uh, let's just look at some things here about the love of, <clears throat> of God. First John chapter 4. <clears throat> Verse 7. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And And everyone who loves is born of God, and they know God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And in this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this love, the, in this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, that means the payment for our sin. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. But if we love one another, then God will abide in us, and his love has been perfected in us. Can I tell you tonight that God cannot be separated from love? He is love. Love doesn't define God. God defines love. And I know I'm going to get ahead of myself, but you can't separate God from love any more than you can separate yourself from your humanity. You don't cease to be a human. You will always be a human until the day that you return to heaven, where you will join him in a glorified body. So you cannot remove God from his love. God is love. Oftentimes we try to talk about it as two different things. But Jesus, we see, becomes the expression of God's love. That he sends his son to die on a cross for a sin that was not his own but yours. Simply because that for the joy set before him, he endures the cross. It even pleases the father to crush his son simply because of you. In other words, he lays down his life for you and for me. And there's nothing like the love of God. There just isn't. It's everything that he's ever done or is ever going to do is motivated by his love. I need you to see that tonight. That's why I started with the idea, the first one of God is love and not God is light, because he was love before he was light. Light came into the world, John chapter 1, but love has always existed. God's light has always existed, but in our world, love first. In the beginning, God, which means that love in the beginning, light in the beginning, spirit in the beginning, consuming fire in the beginning. And everything he does is consumed, and everything he's done is by that love. It's the most overwhelming thing that you and I can come into encounter with is that we can come to a place in our life when we realize, I am loved. A few weeks ago, one of my teenagers gave his testimony of how he was the result of a rape. But yet he learned the love of, an, of a father, the, the Holy Spirit that comes to shed love into the light of our heart in showing us that we are chosen by God. Jesus said, you didn't choose me. No, I chose you. So it doesn't matter whether you were expected or unexpected by somebody. You were expected by God. And the moment you came upon this earth, the moment you were conceived, God said, I got a plan for that one. And my loves, I'll take him from the worst situation. I'll turn his mess into a message. I'll turn his life into a testimony. And people will come to know me and my love as a result of what I've done through him. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's it's almost like we don't have an ability to be able to express it completely. It's the greatest thing that God has ever done for us. It's, It's the reason why that I believe the word reminds us that we love him simply because he loved us first right? We are reciprocating something that we have received. Freely we've been given. What did you do to earn the love of God? What did you do? Could you? Here's a greater question. Could you do anything to lose it? No. Because God can't lose love. He can't lose Himself. Right? So the fact is, is He loves and that love is an everlasting love. God doesn't send people to hell. People make a choice. Hell was never created for people. It's the love of God that leads me and guides me to repent. The love of God is great. God moved to do everything else and everything he's going to do, he does. His love is who he is. And he's motivated by his love for us. Just as we do things for the people that we love. Just as we love is a response to and as a result of that love that God has given to us. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Now, I I, I give a lot of scripture, so the best thing you can do is just write down the scripture title. Go back and read it later. But I'm going to read Romans chapter 5, verses 1. It says, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have a peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our love, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege Where we now stand, we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help to develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of our salvation. And this hope will not lead us to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us. Because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. What? So the Holy Spirit, he is tapped in. He's God. He's not a bird. He's not some extracurricular project of God. He's God. He's he's everything. It's all wrapped up. He, He comes by his spirit and he's full of God's love. And he comes into our heart and he pours out this love and breaks even the hardest of people because he's love and love all of a sudden shows me that even though the world may hate me God loves me and, and God says I even love you through the mess God has an ability to see past the dirt and the scars and the anger and the depression and the fear and the anxieties and the suicidal thoughts and the addiction and, the, and he says nah I'm not looking at him I'm, I'm looking at him He sees me for who I am because love has that ability because love is not motivated to see itself. It's only you motivated. God's love, God's love in us. It doesn't keep a record of any wrong. It's not, go read 1 Corinthians 13. It's not haughty. It's not self-conceited. It's not self-consumed. It's you consumed. We see that God loves God. God loves us, sorry. So let me just give these to you, a couple things to you that you need to know. There's four things that God says Scripture says about God's love. And I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts. Is that okay? First thing we need to understand is is that the love of God is that our joy may be full. John's epistle says that our our joy may be full. You can go read that over in 1 John 1 verse 4. It says, 1 John 1. In verse 4, it says, and, well, verse 3 says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ, and these things we write to you so that your joy may be full. In other words, hey, what God has done in me, guess what? He's going to do it in you too. not that exciting? Who's ever found out a friend of yours or somebody got blessed or you saw somebody get touched or blessed and then all of a sudden you found out uh, you're next? Right? Woo! Expectation. Right? I, I saw, I remember seeing Pastor Rodney getting blessed and he was getting his shoes and, and all of a sudden I got a phone call from man and said, you're next. I was like, woo! Now my wife has got less shoes than I have, that's the problem. But I'm working on it. Hey, but how many understand that joy, all of a sudden when we know that God will do it for him, he's going to do it for me because he doesn't love him more than he loves me. Love is not a respecter of any man he respects and loves all people, period. Because it's who he created. He created us. Our joy may be full. But also we, we find out that because this love is so great, John, 1 John 2 and verse 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. Right? Because when I'm loved and I know I'm loved, I don't need to go off and do something to try to gratify myself because I'm fully satisfied by the unquenching, unquenchable, sorry, love of God that just fills every part of me, leaves no empty void that I have to fill with any temporary uh, earthly lustful thing that I think I need so bad when I've done all of those things and woken up in the morning with no joy and no fulfillment. I, don't sin, I sin not because I love him. And I love him so much I don't want anything to come between us. And that's God's love. And that we might, it also in chapter 5 and verse 13... It, it says, it says, uh, verse 12, uh, 12, 11 says, and this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, and he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life, but these things I've written to you so that you may believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. In other words, when the love of God comes, it reminds you, not only does he love you, but he made a way for you, and that Jesus said, in my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not. True, I would not have told you, but I've gone to prepare a place for you because I love you and I want you where I am. That song we sang tonight, I like the opening line or the opening parts of the, what a wonderful name it is. That one line that says, you didn't want heaven without us. So you brought heaven down to us. I like that. I remember hearing Hilton Sutton one time, he said, he said, you ever wonder why, I mean, listen, he was an old man at that time, so he could say what he wants, and I just really liked it. He said, uh, hey, you ever wonder why Adam bit into that fruit? He said, because he couldn't bear the separation being apart from Eve. He loved her. He said, you ever wonder why Jesus took the cross? Because he couldn't bear the separation any longer. Because he wants you. He wants you. Does not the one who paid the price have the right to ask for that which he paid for? How many of you go pay for something, pay full price, and then say, oh, you know what, don't worry about it, you can just keep it here and sell it. No, if I paid for it, I want it, and I'll do anything to get it. Jesus had paid for you, and he does anything to get you back. Okay, i got to keep moving. But we also find out, beloved, if God is so loved, then we ought to love one another. In other words, we have to love people. We've been given love, we must love others. Do you know that in 1 John, is a great book, it's the book of love. First John, do you know that it love is mentioned 46 times in only 135 verses? 46 times in 135 verses, the love of God is there. And you know why he wrote it? You see, at the time he wrote this book to come against a religion or a belief system called Gnosticism. And these, agno- these Gnosticisms believed that knowledge was power. They actually felt they had this special knowledge of God and his way. But, jo- but John was basically putting them in his place. Because remember this, that truth will always tell you what you need to hear, whether you want to hear it or not. You know, I heard somebody say this one time, that that you look at sodium chloride. Everybody know what sodium chloride is? salt, right? But if you take sodium and chloride, split it apart, sodium sodium by itself is very fickle it's kind of dependent upon other people other things, it has to attach itself to something, it's not very solid on its own, then you get chloride chloride is sort of uh, volatile it's corrosive, it's what, uh, it's dangerous, it's where bleach gets its smell from, And, and then you go down and you look at that love by itself, meaning love that's not the love of God, love by itself is fickle, has anybody found that out? I've seen we've heard that people can actually marry them each other based on a friendship love. But the problem with friendship love is all is well until my need is not met. And the moment my need is not met, then we are off balance and I no longer know if I love you anymore. That's a questionable love. But the agapeo love, the love that has no care for itself at all. So that's the difference. This is a friendship love. And friendship love, unfortunately, is a bit fickle. It needs to have people. It can't stand on its own. It's, it's like it's got to be loved in order to love type thing. And, and so we can see that, that, that that's how this is, and then we look at that, that's kind of like the sodium, and then the chloride is sort of like truth by itself. Has anybody ever told you the truth, but it wasn't in love? <laughs> I mean know, you're like, thanks. <laughs> truth not spoken in love hurts. It's, voluti- it's volatile, it's dangerous, it's corrosive, it- it's smelly, it actually doesn't do anything for us. But yet if we take sodium and chloride, put them together, that's basically what we get, the truth and love, spoken, truth and love, truth and love. And Jesus said that's what we have, sodium, chloride, truth and love is what we get, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Where we're going to speak truth to people, but we do it because we love them. And we're willing to say things to people that they need to hear, whether they want to hear it or not. God was willing to do it for you. He was willing to catch you. He was willing to say something to you say, hey, you shouldn't have done that. Hey, he's willing to even discipline you because he loves you because Hebrews says that no father who loves his son will allow him to go undisciplined. Discipline produces, the Bible says, the peaceable fruit of righteousness, and even we become partakers of his holiness, that without that holiness, there's no way to see God. Think about this for a moment, that even discipline is an extension of the love of God. He loves you so much not to allow you to head towards a cliff He's going to stop you before you get there. He's going to call out to you. He's going to put people in your path to call you out on your junk. Never feels good to have somebody call you out on your junk, ever. But at the end of the day, you're thankful they did it because at least you're not looking up from hell saying, I wish you would have told me. The love of God, the love of God is necessary. Amen. And if we're the salt of the earth, that means salt, what does it do? It preserves, it adds taste, it makes food attractive, it makes it helpful. It's a very valuable commodity. Salt can make things last for a very long time. We, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. We become, when we love people, we become the taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, I heard the other day by Dr. Ravi Zacharias, he said that 85% of Muslims that come to Jesus, come to Jesus in one of two ways. Either they had a dream or a vision of Jesus, or they saw the love of a true Christian towards his brother or his sister. Or for him, even though he was a Muslim, she was a Muslim, the person loved that person into a relationship with Jesus. One of my mentors in youth ministry, Pastor Jeannie Mayo, she says that, that years ago, she had a Chinese girl that was a foreign exchange student that came to her youth group one night and she got saved and she decided to allow this little girl to give her testimony one night and she expected to hear, well, I come from this place, this society and da 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 You know, but you know what she actually heard? She heard, I came here as a foreign exchange student. I came to go to school. I went into a dorm room with my, with my roommate and she was a Christian and she didn't force nothing on me. She didn't hurt me. She didn't call me any names because of what I believe. She simply built a bridge from her heart to mine and tonight Jesus walked across that bridge and into my heart. Never. That's why our HOJs, young people, and that's why it's so important that you allow God to use you on your campus. Yes, there are students that think differently than you. They look differently than you. They dress differently than you. They even have a different attraction than what you have. But you can't look at somebody and say that God loves them any less than he loves you. Matter of fact, he loves them just as much. And the fact is, his love is so real for them that he's willing to reach out to them just as they are and pull them to himself. But guys, he's got to be able to use you to do it. We had a young man that came to the youth ministry years ago that was homosexual and, and, and you think to yourself, well, how can I let him come? He might affect somebody in the youth who it's not AIDS. He might have an impact on somebody. I get it. I know. I understand that. I've got, and I, I get it protecting my kids, but he needs Jesus. What do I do? Kick him out and say, go find Jesus and then come to church? Wait, well, you know, I thought he was supposed to find Jesus here. This is the love of God. And sorry, I'll pray for you later. And so three, four weeks go by. Three or four weeks go by. He doesn't answer any altar calls. I'm getting concerned at this point. I mean, I know I'm not that good of a preacher, but come on. <laughs> and one night I did what my pastor did because I saw people being touched by the love of God like never before. And so I walked up to him and I put my hand out like this just to pray with him. And when I did, he took me by the hand and he shot up to, the, to his feet and he hit the ground laughing, crying, speaking in tongues, completely set free ends up going back home, back to his family. God uses him, sends him to Bible college. I mean, this is the stuff that we're talking about. This is the love of God that shed abroad in the heart of people. I remember sitting right where you're sitting in 2006, October 2006, And I thought I had gone too far and done too much, even though I was in the ministry and God was using me. I basically felt like I had just done too much and that there was no way God could fully use me now. And I remember watching and listening to Pastors Frank and and Paris Bailey. And she was calling herself Whoreface Paris and all these things of who she used to be and how the love of God found her in the New Orleans streets and and all of these things. And I'm thinking, oh my God. And I just, it hit me. God loves me. And I haven't ruined anything yet. His love got me through it. It was like His love was the salt, and He used people to keep me tasting. And the taste was so much better than anything else I had ever experienced. Any relationship I had been in, any friendship I had been in, any drink I would ever tasted, any person I would ever been with, none of those loves completed me. I was always hungry. I was always thirsty. I was always lonely. I was never fulfilled. No matter how long I put myself in those situations, it was until I found the love of the Lord Jesus Christ, one that was looked at me. When he looked at me, his eyes were lovely, loving eyes. And He—it's like, it's like, I'm thinking of myself, do you not see me? Do you not see the smears on my face? Do you not see the rips in my clothes? You know, i see the things that I've done and God says yeah I've seen all of it I've seen all of it but that's why I'm here because I'm so much better than that and even when I've made mistakes even as a believer, as a Christian he says I love you, get up I love you, get up I love you, get up come on tell people what I've done for you because if, if you tell them what I've done for you they're going to know I'll do it for them Love can soften the hardest heart. He can bring anybody home. But he's got to use you. Amen? God's love is unspeakable. It's unspeakable. I can't understand it. I don't know why. But I know that I have experienced it. And I know that I can never be separated from it. Romans chapter 8 verse 38, 39 says, I am convinced that neither, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Neither death nor life angels, demons, fears uh, for today or worries about tomorrow, the power of hell can, nothing, none of those things can separate me, no power in the sky or in the earth below, indeed nothing, all of creation will ever be able to separate me from the love of God that has been revealed in Jesus Christ our Lord. God's love is unspeakable. God, the God, the God of love, it's unspeakable love. God's love is unending. Jeremiah 31 in verse 3, it says, That I have loved you with an everlasting love. God is is love and his love is eternal. You know I'm going to do a wedding next Sunday night and and when I do the weddings this is my my favorite part is I get to hold the ring in my hand and I get to talk about and say that the sign of even any covenant is eternal and so is the covenant of your marriage and that you have chosen a ring to wear and that the ring is made of gold and untarnishable uh, metal and it has no beginning and no end and this speaks of the love of God for you that knows no beginning and no end like the love of you with your wife and your husband they'll have no End, and you wear it on your finger a part of your body that's not that's not hidden but yet it's exposed to all the seasons of life but yet it's in it endures i love that part because I, it reminds me every time i say it and recently i've gotten to say it quite a bit and so I, i'm thankful because i'm reminded myself sometimes when even as a leader I, I i blow it or i mess things up i i did it today but yet i'm reminded of the love of our heavenly father he says, I love you with an everlasting love, an unending love. It knows no end. You know what else love is? It's unselfish. Oh, that's huge because let's be real, most of us battle with this one because we do love people conditionally. If you love me, I can love you. you treat me well, I can be okay with that, right? But Jesus, he loves unconditionally. <clears throat> but I found out something, that that o love is attainable. He wouldn't say, love your neighbors you love yourself. If it weren't possible to love, you can grow. But you're going to have to learn how to not care and worry too much about you. Remember, Jesus said this. He said, uh, if you want to come with me, you can't come. You got to pick up your cross. You got to identify with me, man. Don't worry about if people reject you, though, because I was rejected first. Don't worry about if people say bad things about you. They said bad things about me. Just means you're in good company. But take joy when they have things to say about you because I've overcome the world. I'm not done with you. You know what? You may be in here tonight you've blown it. You've blown it. You feel like you, there's no way back. And I'm telling you, because of God's unselfish love, he keeps no record of your wrong. If you repent, if you'll come to him and, and, and bow, take a knee, God, I'm sorry, I've blown it. God says, I'll forgive you. And I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he has an ability to restore and you know what's so good about God is he brings you right back, right back to the place. I don't have to go back and get saved again. I can repent. He said, if you, if you sin now, come confess it to me. I'll, I'll forgive you. He says, you have an advocate before the Father, Jesus Christ. He'll go with you. You'll find forgiveness. You'll find it there. Romans 2 and verse 4 says, do you, dis, do you despise the riches of his goodness, the forbearance and the long suffering of God, not knowing that the goodness of God will lead you to repent? You love God because He first loved you and displayed His love by sending Jesus upon that cross. If you ever to ask, if you were to ever, ever, ever ask God how much He loves you, this far. As far as the east is from the west. This far. This far. It's not about good works. God's love is unmerited. It's not about good works. It can't be earned. It's not deserved. His love is based on his grace. Grace recognizes our mess. It doesn't ignore it, but it calls us out of our mess just like and it takes us just as we are without any questions. It's not about good works. Your good works are your works. You have no ability to attain righteousness on your own. You know how Abraham was counted righteous four times. It says he's counted righteous. Every one of them is because he believed, simply because he believed. Not because of anything he ever did. Simply because he believed. It's not about your works either. That's Islam. Islam is hopefully your good works outweigh your, outweigh your bad ones. No, no, no. It's not, about your, it's not about your works or your deeds. You know what else God's love is? It's unconditional. It's unconditional. You know what else? That's what I say this in weddings. I say this. God's love says this. It never says, I love you. Do you love me? It simply says, I love you. I love you. I love you. You, have you. Have you experienced that yet? Some of you don't even know what the love of a real father is like. Let me speak to you for the father and tell you I love you. I've chosen you. You've got to forgive. You've got to let go. No one's hurting with your unforgiveness but you. You're the one that's hurting. Come on, tonight you can draw forth with joy from the wells of that salvation and know you're loved. Know you're forgiven. Know that you've been set free. For he who the Son is set free is certainly free indeed. Unconditional love. Man can't reach that place on his own. And man can't ever reach a place where he won't be loved by God. And I said earlier, you can't separate God from His love, just like you can't separate yourself from your humanity. He is love. He defines it. There's no way around it. God loved us first. He loved us anyway. He loves us eternally. I love you anyway. You know, when my daughter does something that disappoints her daddy or makes her daddy mad, I love her. And I want to make sure there's been times when, you know, I'll I'll, I'll grab her after I spank her little bottom. I'll grab her and I'll kiss on her and I'll love on her because that's what my Heavenly Father's done for me. When things, when I've known that I've done wrong, but you know the difference between the love of God and a person with conditional love? Even when God corrects me, I feel loved. Even when God corrects me, even when He has to use a leader to correct me, I still feel loved. I still walk away going, man, I'm thankful he did that. Versus somebody who absolutely has no love for you and just rebukes you because they're mad at you. They don't love you. They don't have any care for you. That's, that's not, brother, you about got a sidekick right to the jaw right there. Ooh, everybody was kung fu fighting. Well, you better be glad I wasn't packing, bro. Boop. <laughs> Sorry. But I love you. So the thing is, is that. <laughs> now you totally made me forget where I was going. It's probably a good thing. Let me keep going. <laughs> I grabbed my little girl. You know, here's crazy. There's been times I've, I've gone to, re, you know, correct her, and the Lord will say, uh, I don't talk to you like that. will not talk to you like that. Can I get real blunt with you one, one time? I spanked Madison and I was mad when I spanked her and I'll never forget it because I came into her room after I had spanked her and she was laying there and she was just whimpering and I looked at her little tail where I'd spanked her and I would left a mark and I knew, I knew, I knew that I had spanked her too hard. I knew that I had been upset. But what's so amazing was is that I hugged her and she hugged me and I felt the love of God through my child who she loved me. Do you know that our God loves us no matter what we do to him, no matter how we treat him, no matter what we say about him, anything spoken against the Father is forgiven. Anything spoken against the Son is forgiven. Speaking against the Holy Ghost, that's another message. But the <laughs> Because you can't just say, I blaspheme the Holy Ghost. I'm not saying that because I, I don't want to approach that subject, but it's most people, years and years ago, they had this thing online called the, the Blasphemy Challenge where like a million people went online and said, my name is Alan Hans and I'm blaspheming Jesus the Holy Ghost. That's not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. There's something. way more involved. So here's the deal. Relax. If you're in this room and you think you have blasphemed the Holy Ghost and you feel like you're, you can't be forgiven... You have, you have not done it. I promise you. If you, were, if you are concerned that you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you did not do it. Okay? Scripture is very clear. that people that have done that know that they've done it and know what they're doing. And they don't care. So that's not you. If you're in this room, relax. I, I've literally, Pastor Todd, I'm sure you have. You guys have been in ministry much longer than me. When you've had, I've had people come to me like, I think I've committed. The, and, and they're just, I mean, it, it, we've, had, we've, we've had young people here. Who have literally, I mean, had to be nearly institutionalized because the way, but that taught me a valuable lesson. When I hugged her, and though I had done the wrong, her love to her daddy showed me the love of God. Can I say something to you? Please don't grow up beyond the ability to receive the love of God. Please don't grow up to get to the place where you think you know everything because God still has great love for you and he's not done with you. Even when Elijah wanted to die in the wilderness and God said, get up, I am not done with you. But look what he did before he said that. He provided him, didn't he? He gave him water, gave him something to take because he loves his children. A good father does that. Amen? Amen. Hey, you know what else? His love is supernatural. It's sacrificing but it's also satisfying. That's a good one. You should have written that one down. The love of God is supernatural and is sacrificing, yet it's very satisfying. There's nothing. I've, I've, unfortunately, there's, there, you may have, <laughs> have tasted right? You, you, you've seen of, uh, tasted of the, all the different loves that are out there. You've heard that song, but nothing comes close to the, un, the, the unchanging, satisfying, fulfilling love of our Heavenly Father that is supernatural for a love that has the ability to believe only the best. It doesn't even matter what it sees, it can only believe the best. God doesn't change himself. So what? You've had a hard time. So what? People have treated you wrong. God has never treated you wrong and he will never treat you wrong. But that's how the, de- the devil would like you to believe it. Just remember something, anytime the devil speaks, he's lying. And he doesn't speak for the creator. He's a created. The DNA of the creator is in you. The love of the creator created you. And we are named by that love. Amen? That's what scripture says in in Ephesians chapter 3. We are named by that love. That's why Paul says, I bow my knee. Because those things that once were hidden from us, now they've been made known to us. Let me just read that to you. I think that's going to help somebody. Take your Bible and go to the book of Ephesians very quickly as I'm kind of winding down. uh, Because I could go on and on about these things. But the book of Ephesians, you know, Kenneth Hagin said that he read the Ephesians prayers of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3 over himself for six months. I think it was a thousand times. And he said that in a matter of six months, he got more revelation in six months from reading these prayers of Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3. Six months, he got more revelation than he did in 10 years of full-time ministry. So, young person, hear me. I'm not just saying things to you that you can't understand. If you would take these things, you say, well, I don't know how to pray. Can you read? Then read them and put your name in it. But Paul goes on to say in chapter 3 and verse 14, he says, This reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you according to the riches of his glory, so that you may be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man, that, the, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend... Come on, he's got to expand your mind tonight so that you can go and look with all the saints what is the width, what is the length, what is the depth, and what is the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes the knowledge that you do have now, and that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So in the, the love of God is the access point to the power of God. And he says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, that you could hope or ask according to the power that is at work in you. The love of God is the power of God. Jesus is the expression of the love of God. The Bible says that Jesus is the Word made flesh. And that the Bible says that the Word of God is how faith comes. And we know that when we look at this, the Bible says, I be- am not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The moment we get a revelation of how much God loves us, all of a sudden there is a power that is unquenchable because love covers a multitude of sin. Love has the ability to replace everything that is not love. Love has the ability to have a light greater than any darkness. Love is so great that it can even be beyond your own ability to hope, your own ability to ask and your own ability to think. You simply all of a sudden see yourself filled to overflowing with a love. And when that happens, all of a sudden people start to take notice. Why? Because you love them in a way. It's all of a sudden like, I know you, I've seen you grow up. I know who you used to be, but you're not that person anymore. It's not you. You didn't change yourself, but the love of God did. The love of God did. Let, let me just end with these couple of quick thoughts. Is this helping anybody? God's love was demonstrated at Calvary. God's love can never be fully understood, but it can be seen. It can be seen at the cross. We see that Jesus stood in the gap. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians, He made him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God in him. He took our place. The Bible says no greater love than this, that a friend that would lay down his life for another. He rescued us. He saved us from hell. His death on the cross, that death released his precious blood. That blood opened the door for salvation for every sinner who would come to God. 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 through 19. Scripture says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you. The empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which will lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, it says that in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sin, according to the riches of his grace. Colossians, Paul said in 1.14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sin. Yeah. Hebrews 9 and Revelation 1, to him who loved us and washed us of our sin, in his own precious blood. Revelation 5, it says that those that have gone on before us to heaven stand around the throne today and they point to Jesus and say, you are worthy for you have reconciled me back to my father by your precious blood. Without the shedding of blood, there was no forgiveness of sin. No greater love than this, than a friend that would lay down his life for another. We need to thank God for the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It is the, here's the D, if the love of God is visible, it is attainable. What is visible is attainable. If we can see it, we can have it. You can't give what you don't have. If you, if you have love, it will be evident. I was talking to a student the other day. I don't think Pastor PJ is here tonight. But he said something to me. He says, you know what's crazy about Pastor PJ? He said, even before I knew that man and that man knew me, I met him for the first time and he hugged me and I knew he loved me. That's a huge compliment. If somebody can say, you don't even know me, but the moment you put your hands around me, put your arms around me, I knew you loved me. That's love that's evident. And if love is evident, it's attainable. I can get it. I can have it. And that's what we're supposed to display. The love of God that knows no boundary. I'm gonna love you anyway. You don't love me, that man, I love you anyway. Amen. If you have love, you can give love. Notice that throughout the Bible, there's been men who demonstrated God's love. Joseph and his forgiving love. He was lied about, he was sold as a slave, he was ripped from his home, his father, he was falsely accused, he was put in prison, he was waiting and waiting and waiting all because of his jealous brothers. Yet he forgave them. Yet he forgave them. What's your what's your problem? What's your hang-up? What's been done to you that's so beyond your ability to forgive someone? If you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. But if you truly have the love of God, you'll forgive people. God's love through us is redeeming. Look at Hosea. He married Gomer. Hi, my name is Hosea. My name is Gomer. No, just kidding. (laughs) She was a prostitute. God, do you not know that she's a... I know. I know. Marry her. God, she adorns herself for everybody but me. No, I know. I know. Marry her. You're going to show her how much I love her by marrying her. He dressed her wounds. He took care of her. He was talking to Israel. He used a literal marriage to talk to Israel. Israel was turned their back on God, cursed him, dressed herself up for other people and not God. He says, "I know, but I loved you with an unending love." An everlasting love. I loved you. It's a healing love. It's healing. Maybe you've been in a place where you've been angry and bitter and jealous. Maybe you've been burning with lust. But yet Jesus reached down. He, He picked you up. He drew you out of the sewer. Psalm 103 verses 1 through 4 says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He's done for me. He forgives all of my sins. He heals all of my diseases. He redeems me from death. And He crowns me with a love and with tender mercies. When the love of God is evident in your life, it'll be, it'll be seen. Why? Because it'll be seen by how you love the Lord. It'll be seen by how you love His Word. It'll be seen about how you love His people, the church, the congregation king david said in psalm 122 verse 1 i was glad when they said come let us go to the house of the lord the house of the lord the church should be a place where young people and people can come and be touched and changed love for saints One john 4 verse 12 we read that that we should love one another that's when we know the love of god is really in work in our life when we love people When we walk in love, God will be seen. We love sinners. Jesus had a heart for sinners. God's love is more than just being loved. It is opening our life so that the Lord can love through us, so that he can reach the world for himself. That's why scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17, that any man that's in Christ is a new creation. And that old things had passed away, old things have become brand new. And he said, even as God was reconciling the world back to himself by His Son, by Jesus, even now we've been given the ministry, the message of reconciliation. Look at me. Look what He's done for me. Come on, come, just as you are. Come as you are. I'll end with this story. There was a medieval monk that had announced that he would be preaching on the love of God and most of the time when you preach that most people are going to come want to hear that well as people showed up and the sun began to go down in that medieval church the lights began to be very dim and dim and dim and there were no candles lit it was dark but suddenly coming down the center aisle was this monk and he was just carrying a single candle and he was walking down the aisle and he walked past all the people and he walked up onto the platform and he walked up to a crucifix that had been set up on the platform. And remember he said, I'm here to teach on the love of God. And he takes that candle and he walks up to the crucifix and when he gets to the crucifix, he illuminates first the crown of thorns. He then takes that candle and he illuminates the hands that have been pierced. Then he takes the candle and he illuminates the the side that had been pierced. And then he takes it and he illuminates the feet. Instantly, a hush across the crowd. And then he took the candle and he blew out the candle. No more words to say. The love of God has been displayed in the wounds that Jesus took for you and he took for me. He took my brokenness, he took my bitterness, he took my anger, he took all the things, my liability, he took the hurt, in other words, things that people did to me, let me tell you something, it wasn't my fault, and it wasn't your fault either, the way you were treated was not your fault, but God made a way, he saw your brokenness, and he saw that you needed a savior. sent Jesus to die on the cross. Tonight, I do want to pray for some people, but before I do, can you just close your eyes right now across this room? Tonight, I'll share a quick story thought with you. When I worked for a ministry in Tulsa, Oklahoma, we produced a video for MTV. And the video that we produced started off, it was really well done and it started off in a prison. And uh, you see a man Sitting in a a cell all by himself. He was looking at the clock. He knew time was ticking away. His life was about to be taken. He was about to be executed. Suddenly, the guard for the prison walks up to the door of the prison cell. And for a moment, the guard and the prisoner catch eyes. No words were exchanged, but you could tell there had been a connection. Suddenly, the whole scene shifts and now you're in a hallway and you see the shackled feet of the prisoner walking down the hallway to a door at the end. Around him were the feet of of prison guards that were leading him to his certain death. Suddenly it shifts again. This time you see a man thrust into the electric chair. His hands are bolted down to the sides, his feet and his head. All of a sudden the camera pans to the wall and you see a man standing and he takes a phone call and he takes whatever whoever calls he hears the words and he takes the phone he hangs it up and he shakes his head no in that moment the prison guard on the other side grabs the switch and he throws the switch and the camera pans to the hands of the prisoner shake and then go limp he's dead suddenly the door opens and the prison guards begin to leave and one guard stops at the door and he turns to look back at the chair where that, guard, that man is dead in the seat. And the camera at this point only showed you his feet. And the camera begins to pan up. And you see his face. It's not the prison guard. It's the prisoner. The prison guard had taken the place of the prisoner. He took his place. He took the chair. And that man went free. And right after that, the pastor that I worked for came on. He said, no greater love than this, than a friend that would lay down his life for another. He said, you have a friend that's laid his life down for you. His name is Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. This is MTV. He said, you may be watching tonight, and you don't know Jesus as your Savior. You've never experienced the love of God. Can I, can I reverberate those words to you tonight? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus in this place. Maybe watching you've never accepted Jesus. Maybe tonight you've never fully understood that he loves you unconditionally. and There's nothing that you could ever do to remove that. Tonight you can come home to Jesus. Tonight you can be saved, born again. Your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Much as Mordecai's name is written in the book of remembrance for the king and the king remembering Mordecai and all that he had done. Your name is written if you'll accept Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're in this room tonight and you feel like you've gone too far and you've done too much. Things that have come into your life, storms that have happened, reasons that make you feel as though God just doesn't love you or maybe you just, you've just you've reached the limit and you feel that if you make one more mistake that God's going to leave you the way that you are. There's a lot of people that feel that way. They live constantly on the edge. That God is some bloodthirsty God up in heaven with a baseball bat ready to crack you one because of what you've done. That's not true. If anything, he's so attracted to you to to, to come and to shed his love into your heart so that all of that darkness has to go. Or maybe you're in this room tonight you've never really understood that if you died, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? If you're in this room tonight, you fit into any of those three categories. You've never accepted Jesus. You feel like you've gone too far, that you've done too much. There's just no possible way. There's no way. And you live in constant fear. Maybe tonight you need to just come to God. Or maybe you just don't know if you were to die tonight. What are you going to spend eternity at? Don't play with your life. Don't sit there and think you're okay. If you're wondering, if you even have a thought in your mind, will I go to heaven if I die right now? You need to come to Jesus and fully surrender your life. I promise you. You say, but you don't know the things that I've done. There's no way he can restore me back to the, yes, he can and he will. And he'll use you. If he can raise Lazarus to dead, he can from life. He can certainly forgive you. On the count of three, if you are in this place and you need to know that you know that you know, you fit into those three categories, do not leave this place without knowing. Right now, on the count of three, lift your hand. You say, I need Jesus. I need to come to him. I need forgiveness. I need to get right with him. I need the assurance of my salvation. On the count of three, one, two, three. Three, now, put your hand up across the place. I understand that we're in church and that people here, but don't sit there and thank you. I need Jesus in my life. Is there anybody else? Won't you look at me? If you raise your hand for any reason whatsoever, I need you to know tonight that Jesus Walk to the hill for you. Tonight is your night. So if you raise your hand for any of those circumstances, you've never accepted Jesus, your life is in shambles, you don't even know if God can forgive you, wh- whatever the reason, I want you to stand on your feet right now across this place. There are a couple of you, I want you to, And I understand, Sunday nights are typically people that love Jesus, they come to church, but I understand too that if you need the Lord, stand on your feet right now. Thank you. Come quick. Come, I want to pray with you. Come right here, bud. If it was for anybody, it was for you. Lift your hands. Stretch your hands out towards this guy. I want you to pray with me. But I want you to pray, not because I'm just telling you to pray. Because it's not a prayer. Prayer doesn't save you it's your belief Jesus is the Lord that God raised him from the dead the Bible says that we should be saved so tonight I want you to pray with everything that you've got and I want you to mean it say this with me say dear Lord Jesus come into my heart forgive me of my sins wash me and cleanse me set me free Jesus I believe you are the son of God and that you died on a cross and that you were buried, and on the third day, you rose to new life, and one day, you're coming back again for me. I am saved, I am born again, and I am on my way to heaven, because I have Jesus in my heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, give me the strength to do your will, in Jesus' name. plus.